Part One of Chapter Four of the Present Picture of New South Wales, eighteen hundred and eleven, by D. D. Mann. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hints for the improvement of the colony. Having thus touched upon the progress of the colony and its present state, I shall now beg to add such hints respecting its future improvement as have suggested themselves to my mind during a residence of ten years in the settlement, in which period I have been enabled from the nature of the various situations I have held there to render myself intimately acquainted with all those particulars which are essential to the formation of a correct opinion on this interesting subject. And to the execution of this task I feel the more particularly urged, since I have beheld with pain that those who seem to be most deeply impressed with the necessity which exists for the adoption of some measures to further the interests of the colony have entirely mistaken the line which ought to be followed and have marked out to themselves a course of procedure which is founded on a total misconception of the nature of the colony and a very superficial knowledge of its present state that a period of twenty-two years has not been sufficient to render new south wales independent of the mother country is a reflection which must produce strong and ungenial suspicions of the prudence of those methods which have been pursued to accelerate such a desirable end and the continuance of the late system the inefficiency of which has been amply illustrated by recent events and facts which are incontrovertible is of all evils the most sincerely to be deprecated and guarded against of the capability of the settlement to produce adequate means for the subsistence of its members there can be but a single opinion amongst persons who are enabled from experience to judge the nature and fertility of the soil and it must consequently form an evident conclusion that some unnatural check must have sprung up to impede the ordinary course of proceedings my object however is not to deprecate the opinions of others but to give to the public those ideas of improvement which have arisen in my own mind and which have been confirmed by the approbation of others who are equally as well or better qualified to decide upon this important subject complaints having been made by the government of the expenses of the colony which have accumulated rather than diminished with the increasing growth of the settlement i shall first enter into a statement of the causes of this augmented expense part of which as i shall hope to demonstrate with clearness has arisen out of the nature of things and the other part may be attributed to various causes first as to the retarded progress of public buildings and the diminution in the labour of the convicts this decrease in the quantity of labour performed is to be attributed to the natural falling off in the strength of the convicts employed in government labour from deaths desertions and their becoming free those who were first sent to the colony and had been originally transported for seven and fourteen years had served their times the former in seventeen ninety three and the latter in eighteen hundred numbers have been released from their servitude on account of their exemplary behaviour or of services done to the colony and all who became settlers being allowed one two or more convicts to assist in the cultivation of the tracts assigned to them the reduction in those who laboured for the crown must necessarily have been very considerable and must still continue in an increasing degree owing to the great numbers of free settlers who have been allowed to go out from england many of whom have only been a great expense to government and an hindrance to the settlement from a correct estimation taken in the year eighteen hundred it was ascertained 
that three-fourths of the convicts employed in the service of government at the close of 1792 had been subsequently discharged. From that period to the year 1800, 1,259 new male convicts arrived, effective and non-effective, a number which was insufficient to fill up the deficiencies occasioned by those who had obtained their liberations in consequence of having completed their terms of servitude, and the emancipations which had taken place, the number of which together amounted to 1,264, without including the deaths, casualties and escapes, which may be taken at an equal number. Nor were there more employed by the Crown than 710, when Governor King was succeeded in the command of the colony although a great many had arrived between those periods, including the vast number allowed to officers, settlers and others, and but few of the remainder were either mechanics or persons adapted to the improvement of the colony. Therefore, from these causes, it must be evident to every rational mind that the progress of the colony towards perfection and prosperity has, in fact, been as rapid as could be expected, considering the circumstances of the settlement, and an opinion of a contrary nature, must have been grounded upon an exaggerated estimate of the means which existed, and an entire ignorance of the due proportion which they have borne to the labour required at their hands. Secondly, as to the expenditure of the stores which were forwarded to the colony in the interval which elapsed from the departure of Governor Philip in December 1792 to the arrival of Governor Hunter in September 1795. It has been subsequently ascertained that in this lapse of two years and three quarters, a sufficiency of stores had been received to supply the real wants of the settlement for a period nearly thrice as long, whereas the whole was expended, and the storehouses were found empty at the arrival of the latter governor from England. In consequence of the profusion which had thus been practised, although it might at that time be deemed needful, His Excellency Governor Hunter, was reduced to the necessity of purchasing new stores at an expensive market, where every advantage was taken of the necessity which had induced the demand, and the most exorbitant prices were charged for each article. I have understood from very good authority that two pounds were paid for a pair of men's shoes, and thirty shillings for women's. Tobacco was forty shillings per pound, soap twelve shillings, and sugar eight shillings. A beaver hat and a coarse jacket fetched five pounds each, and every other article in an equal proportion. A great deal of time was also lost in endeavouring to make implements of husbandry, mechanical tools, and other requisites of a similar description. The reduced state of the colony at this period was also rendered still more deplorable by the neglect of the government in England, to comply with the urgent requisitions of Governor Hunter for such supplies as were necessary. The exhaustion of the stores of clothing and beds and blankets assisted to fill the hospital with patients, and rendered the purchase of these articles absolutely indispensable at any price, and on any terms on which they might be procured. I feel myself inclined to suppose that the backwardness which displayed itself at this time in the government to dispatch the stores which were demanded, arose from a conviction that the supplies which had been previously sent in such abundance were sufficiently ample for all the immediate wants of the colony, and consequently that the pressure of necessity could not be so great as was represented. For it was not to be expected that those officers who administered the government of the colony, on the arrival of their successors, would depict the situation of the settlement and the state of the stores in any other than a favourable light, 
particularly to his majesty's ministers at home a line of conduct which tended considerably to enhance the mischiefs which had been already showered upon the inhabitants by the perhaps too liberal distribution which had been displayed in the issuing of the various necessaries during their administration thirdly as to the custom of allowing to settlers a certain number of convicts for years to assist in the tillage and continuing to victual those servants out of the public stores i am clearly of the opinion that much evil has arisen from the unrestrained issue of this indulgence the original object of this grant was to enable the young farmer to clear the tract which was assigned to him and to bring it into a condition which would enable it to produce a maintenance for its possessor then he was required to take the convicts which he thought it necessary to retain entirely off the public stores and to victual and clothe them at his own cost the abuse of this indulgence however has arisen from the extension of its advantages to an unlimited term so that the farmer is interested in retarding the efforts which he might otherwise be induced to make for the improvement of his land in order to save himself from the burden of supporting his servants and thus a spirit of indolence is promoted and the original intention of the measure is totally perverted the continuance of this pernicious system previous to the administration of governor hunter had induced the settlers to look upon it as a right rather than an indulgence numbers of useful mechanics whose services might have been turned to advantage in the exercise of their different professions for the public benefit were thus given to those who cultivated lands until their term was expired and no sooner did they recover their freedom than they quitted the service of government for more lucrative employments the consequence was artificers at a high price were to be hired by the governor to build those storehouses which might have been erected before and to repair the towns of Parramatta and Tungabi, which were falling into ruins on account of the necessary repairs having been neglected at a proper season this was a new expense entailed upon government and many thousands were expended which foresight and prudent policy might have saved a fourth cause of superfluous expense to the crown was to be found in the employment of the convicts to perform the public service by task-work which was completed by nine or ten o'clock in the morning and thus left the hands free to assist in the cultivation of those tracts of land which had been granted to different descriptions of persons thus was the government labour protracted in a most shameful degree the labour of little more than a week requiring the lapse of a month to complete it and thus also several were induced by their attention to their individual interests to neglect the service of the colony the consequence of this innovation was the rapid clearing and cultivation of such persons estates and the erection of comfortable residences and the acquisition of further accommodations which they must otherwise have waited some time to obtain while the buildings which were required to be raised for the security of the stores and for other purposes of equal necessity were greatly retarded i am confident also that this conduct tended to relax the discipline which ought to have been rigidly preserved amongst the convicts and produced a general carelessness of the general interests and it was not without some difficulty that governor hunter succeeded in the adoption of a contrary line of behaviour habits of dissipation and indolence resulted from this pernicious mode of bartering the public for individual interest which had taken such deep root as to render their complete eradication matter of the most extreme difficulty the encroachments on the hours of labour for the crown has however been done away by governor hunter and a more regular system has been adopted in the allowance of convict and other indulgences to settlers 
etc by order of the secretary of state since his excellency's departure the custom of imprisoning for debt those persons who are employed in the public service constitutes the fifth article of notice and this practice has been carried to such a pitch that dealers would readily give credit to convicts or any servants of the crown under the idea that they might sue the debtors for the amount and imprison them or obtain the benefit of their labour until the debt was liquidated the necessities of the convicts frequently compelled them to seek for credit and thus to throw themselves into the power of those iniquitous designers in consequence of the prevalence of this practice many of the convicts were immured continually and thus the public was deprived of their services since they preferred remaining indolently in confinement to making those complaints to the governor which would have led to their release and reinstation in their former situations of labour governor hunter no sooner made himself acquainted with the mischievous extent to which this conduct was carried than he published an order in which he prohibited every person in trade from crediting the servants of the crown under the plea of their being at liberty to imprison their persons if such credit was given it was to be understood as being done at the risk of the creditor on the good faith he entertained of the integrity of the persons he so entrusted but that the public should not be deprived of the labour of its servants for the partial accommodation of individuals this order was dated the fourth of october seventeen ninety eight three years after the return of governor hunter to the administration of his high and responsible office and the regulation was justified by the situation of the colony and the abuses which had sprung out of the custom after the publication of this order however i saw many persons committed to prison for debt whose situation as convicts exempted them from incarceration but this apparent breach of the regulation was entirely attributable to the ignorance of the court which had thus decided that the person against whom their warrant was directed was at the time a bond-servant and consequently within the reach of this clause whenever a commitment of this description came to the governor's knowledge which was always the case in a few days when the report of the prisoners for debt was delivered to him the delinquent was immediately enlarged since his confinement was illegal as contrary to the order which had been published on the subject another cause of expense comprising the sixth in this enumeration arose out of the number of orphan children in the settlement who were allowed full ration and clothing at the charge of government this evil has however experienced a very natural reduction from the judicious measures adopted by governor hunter who laid the foundation of a fund for the benefit of these orphans the consequence of which has been the completion of a school for the education and maintenance of female children of that description and which is now supported by various imposts upon merchandise and other taxations or fines for certain offences against the general orders the children embraced by this charity are not simply the offspring of deceased parents but such other children also as have been left unprovided for by the desertion of those whose duty it was to foster them or from the circumstance of their being found to be worthless and profligate characters or by their having betrayed a carelessness and indifference as to the moral improvement of their children where such a disposition displayed itself the offspring were taken from them and their subsequent progress was made the care of this institution which provided for their support and improvement and i am happy to say that there is every appearance of a great good arising from this foundation by rescuing from infamy and shame and bringing up to a life of virtue and industry 
a number of fine young girls whom it is earnestly hoped will strive to repay the paternal care that has been taken of them in their juvenile days by a strict adherence to every pure inclination as they rise in age and a grateful remembrance of those from whom their happiness has sprung seventhly the establishment of a most injurious monopoly amongst the inhabitants of the settlement which has tended to the ruin of fair trade the commencement of this baleful system is traced back to the administration of governor philip at which time i was not in the settlement in a very scarce period when all classes were labouring under every kind of privation the officers prayed leave of the governor to charter the ship britannia for the cape of good hope to bring back cattle and other articles on their account for which speculation a considerable sum was subscribed in equal shares the governor assented to the proposition in consequence of the peculiar state of the colony at that time but scarcely had the britannia sailed upon her voyage when the governor having received leave of absence left the settlement and the government immediately changed its form from a naval to a military system in consequence of this variation permission was readily obtained for the disposal of the cargo thus imported on its arrival and after its passing through the hands of the importers the chief part of the merchandise produced from one thousand pound to two thousand pound per cent to the private retailer these extraordinary advantages could but be attended with evil and destructive consequences to the settlement at large nor does the system of monopoly which was so early introduced in the colony cease to spread its baleful influence by which means the settlers who were deserving of the most marked encouragement and indulgence still remain in far less affluent circumstances than they otherwise might have been this topic deserves serious attention and the mild hand of legislative authority to check its further pernicious effects having spoken thus on the subject of monopoly which i shall at a future period fully establish and which has occasioned the sacrifice of the public to individual interest i shall proceed to advert eighthly to the loss which the government has sustained in the dereliction of some of its most valuable servants who have been allured by the rapid fortunes made by several individuals to quit the service of the public and to embark in traffic the inferior officers of the settlement and the non-commissioned officers and privates of the regiment have been infected with the itch for dealing and many of the settlers themselves have either disposed of their farms or deserted them to obtain the means or the leisure to devote themselves to a species of dealing which never failed to turn to good account many who had also served their terms of transportation instead of remaining to aid the public service withdrew themselves from the stores and turned their thoughts to trade the consequence of this universal inclination to one object and that of such an evil nature being chiefly confined to the sale of spirits soon became obvious in the desertion of those farms which had been previously tilled with so much advantage and in the neglect of all duties whether of a public or private nature the immense profits made by this pursuit served as a new stimulus to its continuance one dealer was known to have cleared twelve hundred pounds sterling in four weeks and chiefly by the sale of spirits and an inhabitant of the lowest order who commenced dealing with five pounds has been known to realise five hundred pounds in the course of six months it must naturally be inferred that the most base imposition must have been practised to render this business so extremely lucrative and the article itself must have been diluted away to excessive weakness 
but while the temptation remains so strong it is not to be wondered at that such numbers of persons in a colony of this or any other description should be found to quit every other object for a free and full pursuit of one so full of attraction many of the convicts soon acquired property in this way and some of those who had been in that unfortunate situation by their good conduct are now considered as respectable characters and are in possession of horses carriages and servants with a sufficiency to secure their independence during the remainder of their lives the military have also made considerable wealth by the same course and the consequence was the instilment into every bosom of a consciousness of independence which was fatal to that strict subordination which ought to be maintained and enforced non-commissioned officers were the principal actors in this department and being connected by the ties of common interest they formed a combination which interfered with the middle class of inhabitants since they could get on board any vessels on account of their rank which gave them the privilege of doing so without being under the necessity of obtaining a written pass for that purpose the principle of allowing a servant to enter into traffic is fraught with the most serious mischief since he is not only led to neglect the duties he has undertaken to perform but gradually becomes independent in his feelings and opinions and substitutes insolence of conduct for the respect which ought to mark his behaviour the value of an article also becomes greatly enhanced to the consumer when it is permitted to pass through so many hands each individual of whom must place upon it a profit which he deems adequate to his labour or his ingenuity allowing liberty to a prisoner to pursue this kind of avocation is productive of another evil it leads him by gradual steps from becoming careless of his proper duty to the assumption of a degree of importance and independence which induces him to place himself above his master and thus controverts the natural and necessary distinctions of society this traffic has also originated numerous frauds of a pecuniary description amongst which may be mentioned as the most notorious the custom of endorsing notes of hand over to persons without receiving any consideration for the same and thus making them the plaintiffs in the suits which they were permitted to institute from all these practices it has resulted that numerous settlers have been induced to neglect or quit their farms which with industrious management were competent to the supply of all their necessary wants and thus to diminish the means of procuring subsistence for the colony and they have become dissatisfied with a country which is capable of being made the most lovely and prolific in the world amongst the inhabitants also was introduced the vice of gaming a natural consequence of the astonishing increase of wealth in men of little principle and no economy drunkenness was the ready way to this crime and so addicted were many of every class of society to it that they scrupled not after losing the property which they possessed to stake that which they did not possess some persons however either favoured by fortune or possessing more prudence than their unfortunate companions contrived to retain the property they had gained and by applying it to traffic are now in a state of affluence of which few persons can form an accurate conception the ninth item of expense is to be found in the provisions and spirits issued to parties on command a custom which has been esteemed proper and necessary in cases where such parties have been employed in particular services for the public benefit and in no other cases have they been issued during the administrations of governors philip and hunter these services were of various descriptions 
parties being frequently detached in pursuit of those who had absconded either into the woods or had carried off boats and endeavoured to escape over the ocean. Others were oftentimes employed in excursions into the interior to obtain a more perfect and comprehensive acquaintance with the nature and productions of the country. Others again were sent at times to reconnoitre the herds of wild cattle, to remark their progress, and see that no attempts were made to destroy such a useful resource. The inspection of the various settlements also occupied some detachments. Small divisions were dispatched to cruise and survey the coast, and the crews of colonial vessels, which were engaged in going to and from the Hawkesbury, as well as to the more distant settlements, were in the habit of receiving these extra supplies, as they had no other means of increasing their common allowance when such augmentation was necessary. Certain customary rations were also given to the settlers, while they were employed in making and repairing the different roads which led to the settlements, and at which periods they received allowances in proportion to the number of days during which their services were required. It had also been usual to give one pint of spirits weekly to each of the clerks employed in the offices of the governor, secretary, commissary, and judge advocate. A similar portion was also issued to the constables of the crown and the overseers, and also to such constables of districts as were chosen out of the inhabitants who were not prisoners, and who, with their families, were victualled from the public stores. But some of these have been subsequently done away with, being considered by Governor King as a superfluous addition to the already excessive expenses of the colony. There are also many other occasional duties, the persons employed in which would be entitled to the extra allowances, from a sense of their indispensable necessity, since it is sufficiently evident that men who are called upon and expected to perform services of more than common exertion must receive additional means of increasing their physical strength and of enabling them to execute the task assigned to them. A tenth cause of loss to the crown and of the expenses of the colony resulted from the abuses formerly practised in the medical department of the colony, amongst which it was customary to screen the convalescent labourers in the hospital and to employ them for individual benefit, so that the patients were thus kept under the hands of medical men longer than was requisite for the establishment of their health. An imposition of this nature called for immediate steps on the part of the governor, but unfortunately his excellency governor hunter did not receive information of this iniquitous practice until he had delivered up his executive power and was embarked or otherwise he expressed his determination to have put a stop to the disgraceful proceeding it has however subsequently been done away with at one time it was ascertained there were forty or fifty convicts who were thus kept in the hospital and were employed by a medical man in the furtherance of his private interests and such other occupations as he marked out for them, to the loss of eleven pounds five shillings a day to the crown. Such a circumstance as this, from a quarter so totally unexpected, afforded an additional proof of the general disposition which prevailed amongst almost every class of society to push their individual interests to the detriment of the public service, and, instead of giving their full assistance to promote the prosperity of the colony, to retard its progress, and make its necessities the source of their profit. The eleventh cause of loss to the crown, and of the expenses of the colony, arises from the dependent settlements within the limits of that territory, and although the governments at the River Derwent and Port Dalrymple are allowed to draw separate treasury bills for their internal expenses, 
Yet the great quantity of wheat, maize, salt provisions, slop clothing and other stores it is absolutely necessary to send from the principal seat of government to those places, added to the conveyance and other unavoidable charges, enhances the expenses at Sydney to an amount that no person would believe but such as have had an opportunity of being an eyewitness to the mode in which such immense sums are disposed of, or upon strictly investigating the voluminous official documents which are transmitted from that colony. As the accounts of the expense of the settlement at Newcastle are wholly included in those at Port Jackson, I shall forbear to make any regular estimate thereupon, but it must be evident that where the subsistence of such distant places chiefly depend upon a settlement, but a short time colonised, the expenses must be very considerable, and the supplies must be given out and used with the greatest caution, to prevent the necessity of applying to a market where their charges are generally exorbitant, and in most cases optional. The last source of expense to the government which I shall mention, and which although now also done away, has been the means of an astonishing increase in the expenditure of the colony. From the fertility of its soil, Norfolk Island was for some time considered a great acquisition to the principal settlement, but subsequent experiences proved the futility of this idea, since the price of grain, instead of lowering in proportion to the additional trouble bestowed on the cultivation of the soil, remained the same just before its evacuation as it had been eight years before. As a place for raising swine, this island indeed might have proved of much utility, if the establishment there had been almost entirely reduced, and the attention of the colony had been confined to this subject, and to the curing of pork for the consumption of all the other settlements. But as this method was not adopted, it proved from the time of its establishment a continual check upon the prosperity of the principal colony, draining those resources which ought to have been applied to different purposes, where the hope and probability of some recompense adequate to the expense might have been more sanguine and less unlikely. Norfolk Island, so far from returning any proportionate recompense for those supplies, had not, in the course of thirteen years, sent to New South Wales property of any description exceeding in value £2,000, during which period all the expenses of that island were included in the general account of the whole country, with the Lord's Commissioners of His Majesty's Treasury, so far from being in itself a flourishing colony. Governor Hunter, who called there, in his way to England in 1800, found that the whole of the public and numbers of private erections were in a most miserable condition, and His Excellency declared that he had scarcely seen a negro town in the West Indies with half such a wretched appearance. The grain here and there displayed a promising appearance, and swine were in some considerable numbers, but the coast was dangerous, Governor Hunter being himself once wrecked upon it in the Sirius, and nearly lost with all his ship's crew. And this circumstance is calculated to deter vessels from touching at the island in quest of wood and water, which are both plentiful, but which may be procured in equal abundance in any of the other islands of the Pacific Ocean, where there are fewer rocks and breakers to contend with, and where the acquiescence of the natives might easily be purchased. In addition to the above obstacles and inauspicious appearances, vessels at this place have no anchorage, but are obliged always to keep under sail, and I have known them to be blown off the island for several weeks together, with very little provision on board, whilst a part of the crew have been on shore. And by those means not only a considerable loss has accrued to the merchants or owners, 
but the lives of a number of fellow creatures have been exposed to the most imminent danger. To the existence of these, with other subsequent causes, it may be attributed that the colony of New South Wales has not made a more rapid progress towards independence, but has so long hung, as it were, upon the breast and derived its sole nourishment from the food of the mother country. To raise the settlement from this state of dependence, to expunge from its early page that stain which must be affixed to it by remoter ages, to stimulate its growth and impel it along the path which leads to greatness, must be the object, the desire and the hope of every one who feels an interest in its prosperity. And if a long residence in the colony, a full consciousness of its capacity and an unshaken affection for the country can entitle any one to a rank amongst the friends of this infant empire, I flatter myself that my claim must be allowed, and I shall therefore proceed to suggest those further ideas of improvement which are founded in a thorough knowledge of the subject from experience. End of part one of chapter four.